rather you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest with the Diocese of Austin. I'm joined by Deacon Ronnie Lastovica, who is a deacon in the Diocese of Austin, and together we have shared the last six years of restorative justice ministry, primarily serving in the prisons in the city of Gatesville, Texas, women and men. And we have been now three episodes. This is our fourth and final on a look back over those six years as I personally prepare to move on to a ministry as chaplain at our retreat center, but also as a way to put some dialogue out there for anyone who may be discerning a role in restorative justice ministry, whether it's specific to working in the the prisons or working with inmates after they leave, their families, the victims of crime, the victims of crimes families. There are many opportunities for ongoing care and evangelization Uh, for those who have been involved in the criminal justice system. Um, The first uh, episode, we talked about discerning that call. The second one, we talked about the learning curve once you get in there, what what life is like on the inside. The third one, we talked a little bit about how to care for yourself as a volunteer and to keep yourself in in kind of a good, ordered discipline in your walk with the Lord and thus with those that you uh, mean to serve. Today, as we teased in the last one, we want to touch on As you serve, the fruits of the ministry, the fruits of the restorative justice ministry, fruits that come from you and your ministry of presence to the people that you serve, but the fruits that come back to you as well, that phrase that is, you get more really than you give. So, Father, what would you say is a good first fruit for our conversation today? That very one. You get more than you give. Um, With the, The way that that happens is getting to know the people. And the only thing I can liken it to for most of our listeners is when you've been in a parish for any length of time, think back of when you first started in that parish. And there were people that you got to know. And some of those ended up people that you continued to get to know over time through the circumstances of their lives and the circumstances of yours, how you continued to share faith on a regular basis in public worship in the mass, in private groups where you were part of a Bible study or one of the adult faith weekend experiences that happen out there in Catholic life today, whether it was serving as religious ed uh, teachers or uh, doing faith formation with adults. As time goes on, you get to know people as they apply themselves to the work of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to others around them. And as that getting to know you unfolds, you begin to receive the fruits of the Spirit that are working in the lives of others, and you get to see the fruits of the Spirit working in your own life. And that is a return on your giving up of self, of sacrificing other things to make time for restorative justice ministry that I would never, excuse me, would never want to undersell. It is so prevalent. And it's when it counterbalances a lot of the things that you you uh, end up experiencing that aren't so fruitful. And so it's a good reminder. God's at work in the things that are easy and in the things that are hard. God's there and the things that make you feel good about yourself and the things that make you feel like you really blew it, um, that those fruits are coming back at you. But you recognize it as you grow in a sense of understanding and Christian relationship with the people that that you want to serve. 
What other fruits would you say our volunteers can experience through their service in restorative justice ministry? I think it's an inexhaustible list, for one thing. And as I was kind of going through this and trying to figure out what would be the best things to put uh, in front of our listeners for their consideration, uh, another thing that came to mind is to look to the words of the saints. Uh, The saints' lives are, by definition, um, Catholic fruitfulness. That's who they were. That's why they they have been raised to the status of of sainthood for us to ask for intercession and for guidance and for protection and for presence, uh, because these are peoples whose lives were abundantly fruitful. So one of the things that I would say that you you gain a sense of the fruits that come back to you as a servant in the restorative justice ministry is expressed in the words of these saints. And so, for instance, this one is from uh, St. John of God. Whenever I see so many poor brothers and neighbors of mine suffering beyond their strength and overwhelmed with so many physical or mental ills which I cannot alleviate, then I become exceedingly sorrowful, but I trust in Christ who knows my heart. And so I say, woe to the man who trusts in men rather than in Christ. Whether you like it or not, you will grow apart from men. But Christ is faithful always with you, for Christ provides all things. Let us always give thanks to him. Amen. How does that one strike mm-hmm. you, Deacon Roddy? Well, I think it summarizes um, the expectation and the experience that you'll have or we've had in prison. Um, the experience at first glance can be overwhelming. Um, there's no any of us that can fix all of this, nor should we try. Again, um, it's a um, affirmation of the fact that we're never in control, even though we think we're so in control. Amen, of amen. what's going on in, 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 in the moving, many moving parts that we encounter. But the one thing that, that's constant is, is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, uh, Son of God and Son of Mary, is always faithful with you. And we draw our strength from him. And if we can always keep that um, beside us, before us, uh, we, we're always going to be fine. Uh, it's, I think, when we go off on our own that we get ourselves in trouble. So this is very good counsel from St. John of God, as we would expect from any saint, of course. But I trust in Christ, who knows my heart. And that's the thing that you want to do. You want God to be the center of your heart. And that's, you know, the counsel that we heard from the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of of uh, of piety and a fear of, of the Lord. You know, that sounds a little fussy, but really what it means is God is the center of my life. And so by being in the center of my life and having that gift of the Holy Spirit to go with me into in this, these moments of what seem to be darkness and despair, uh, we do confront the evil and we're able to, uh, to meet it head on with, with the fact that God is near, God is with me. Which is a beautiful way to introduce us to our next saint, which is St. Elred from his work called The Mirror of Love. Um, because when we confront in the context of the prison setting, the presence of evil or darkness, that can be a moment of decision to tuck tail and run uh, or to stand up and say, with the love of God, this can be overcome. And, and this is in part uh, how he expresses that. The perfection of brotherly love lies in the love of one's enemies. 
we can find no greater inspiration for this than grateful remembrance of the wonderful patience of Christ, who could listen to that wonderful prayer so full of warmth, of love, of unshakable serenity, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and hesitate to embrace his enemies with overflowing love. Well, we can't hesitate when we take those words to ourselves. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. How many times, Deacon Ronnie, particularly with some of our lady inmates, but with the men as well, did we hear the pain of their voices saying, when I got caught up in my addiction, when I uh, got caught up in, whether if it's a uh, burglary or robbery, to support an addiction, and it took me away from my children. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They knew what they were doing when they committed the crime. What they didn't know and what's applicable to the, the words of the Lord is, what heartache they were setting themselves up for in separation from their children, from their families, from the things that they had in mind for their lives that are now going to be completely in the hands of the state of Texas because they have to serve their time. And and so with that, um, we want to be able to say, you know, we've got to be able to, to be with people who come to the realization late in the game of their life that what they've done and where they've found themselves really wasn't what they wanted, but it's what they chose in a given moment. And now we're there to help them bring back that original sense of who they wanted to be and put behind the mistake that they made that got them in prison. That, to me, is an, a, an act of being able to, to love one's enemies instead of tag them with all kinds of ugly phrases and terms that we hear certain people use to to be able to further their own careers when they, they castigate those who commit crimes and, and say ugly things about them. Sure, those things are true. But where do we as Christians really want to go with someone after they've committed their crime? We want to go the way of repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. That's why we call it restorative justice. And that's why we, we call them by their name and not by their sin. I think one of the things we have to remember is that uh, we all come up short of the mark. We're all sinners but we're also all beloved sons and daughters of God. And that through the waters of our baptism, we belong to God. And so we should live as the beloved one. And God has called you first. And we are able to go into this world and love others as God has loved us, but only because of that. That other-centered love brings us to that opportunity to, to be that love, particularly in a world that is so so um, torn by um, by the powers of the evil one. And sadly brought in to that as being where I'll, I'll be satisfied. And and sad part is you'll never be satisfied in that life. Um, I, I was talking with a um, guy last week, and uh, he, he started carrying a weapon, a gun, handgun, when he was 11 years old. Uh, he grew up in a crime family. That was how they, as he said, that was our bread and butter. And that's all he ever knew. And um, he's now a young 32-year-old, uh, has a son of his own that's, and, and, and he wants to become his dad. And I said, why not? You know, you should be his dad because you are his dad and no one will ever take your place. And so it's interesting to see that how far we can sometimes come away from God, but yet God is always never, never abandoning us. He's always drawing us back into that right relationship. And he's, and he's, he's going to be a great dad. I have no doubt about that, 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 that this past, this, this, this hardship uh, of his, uh, is is going to be able to um, move him into um, 
the proper direction um, if he so wills it, and, and God will supply exactly what he needs to, to be able to do that. And so, again, we don't get to pick our crosses, but the question is, what do we do with our cross? You know. Well, and, and when that drives us to commit sin ourselves, to hear those wonderful words at the end of a sacramental confession, uh, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I can tell y'all that as I've gone through these six years and now step out of that ministry, every time I go to confession and hear those words, when I went back in and was doing my service in the prisons and someone got under my skin or I looked at them uh, more exceedingly as a uh, criminal facing their their comeuppance instead of as a human being trying to find God, um, hearing the absolution prayer for me is a way to bring myself back to saying, you know what, this person's journey deserves that same. And when they're, as you just said, Deacon Ronnie, when by their own will, they're ready to set themselves on that path and yet maybe don't have all the things from their past in place to really know how to take that next step, that's where you as the volunteer come into play. You form that kind of structure in their lives on a weekly basis that I can tell you guys over and over again, we kept hearing this same thing. This is the best day of my week. This is the one place where I feel normal. Uh, this is the one thing that, that gives me a sense of being able to know that when I leave here, I'll be able to make it outside of prison because I'm making it in Catholic Mass just like it's going to be when I get outside. And those are very wonderful things to hear from people and, and provide a lot of, of return to you as one providing for the Lord. Yeah, and underscore, I mean, again, again, we, we remind them that you don't have to live your life this way. That one of the beauty that comes from from celebrating the sacred mysteries and being in community with each other is that we're not made for ourselves. And by living in community, they're able to go back and, and foster that life now in, in, in the units, but also prepare themselves before uh, they reenter um, the uh, life outside those walls to be uh, the person that God's called them to be. And particularly, uh, and they can do that in their visitation. You know, there's powerful exchanges that happen in visitations. There's powerful exchanges that happen over the phone uh, in the dorm if they have phone privileges or, or through the pen. Or, or uh, you know, that's it all starts now, right now, uh, of being able to move that direction if they so will it. And it does, among the, the aspects of fruitfulness, remind us who serve because we see it in the lives of the incarcerated, the promises of Jesus to deliver us. When we open our hearts to Jesus, when we allow the loving example of his mother to be part of who we are in any given moment on any given day, we open ourselves to the fulfillment of those promises of Jesus. And one in particular from a, another entry from our list of saints from St. Dismas, uh, hanging on the cross next to the Lord. And this is from Luke, the 23rd chapter. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation, and indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes, but this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen. I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a promise. 
He makes a promise to St. Dismas, and he keeps it. And it allows us to know that in our lives of carrying the cross, as Deacon Ronnie was just saying, of being sacrificial, even when we don't really feel like it, but we know it's the right thing to do, this promise is delivered to us. This day you will be with me in paradise in a measure that's not the same as to the full when we go home to be with the Lord. But you get to experience it in the here and now in the very way that you tried to be Jesus to to somebody else. Yeah, I think the, the paradox of that whole experience is that now that we see a transformation in that in that soul, in that life, and they're uh, the same person that came in um, for, for whatever reasons, uh, will not leave that way if they so will it. They'll go home with a changed person, a different person. And that's, you know, the beauty is that is, and that person is now able to, to be the catalyst of change uh, in their families, particularly in their families, in their community, uh, to set right what originally had been distorted. And Well, it, I was just thinking while you were talking, I didn't mean to interrupt, uh, uh, while you were talking, one of the, the examples of changed people, and I don't want to use gender or place, but you'll know who I'm talking about, um, one that was in a, um, a restricted housing situation, and uh, we met this person there. Uh, we both uh, crossed their paths in our weekly visits when I was still doing that with you. It's a place where I stopped doing that eventually. And uh, this person younger, um, not super young, but but uh, certainly not aging yet, um, definitely by God's grace and the, the consistent presence that they kept inviting of us, because in that particular unit, we would go by, and if the person in the, the cell said, not today, then you just went on. This particular person started to allow us to come and, and be there and talk with them, and they talked with us, and then over time, they begin to ask those questions that you hear people ask as they're getting ready for RCIA, the the bigger picture questions. The, I think I'm starting to see myself fitting into this picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you, as the one who has brought this to my attention, help me further my faith? And so we went through in that setting the best kind of RCIA we could, and ultimately that person, before departing that unit, was baptized. And it was a beautiful, beautiful day that neither Deacon Ronnie and I will ever forget because the setting is just certainly not like the nice setting that most of us get to do that in with a a beautiful baptismal font or a full immersion or anything like that. It was in a cell block and a pretty rowdy cell block at that. And yet in that environment, this soul was able to listen to how God worked through Deacon Ronnie and through myself. They came to that awareness. They came to that willful decision. They asked for the waters of baptism, and they came into to the, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And it was a beautiful day. And it's the kind of day that kind of sustained you on some of the other days when things aren't going so well. Yeah, without giving detailed descriptions of that experience, it was a pod. It was a, a restrictive housing pod and, and uh, two-tiered. But you could hear a pin drop in in that uh, section of that pod on that day, on that Sunday. And um, the thing, beautiful thing about it is they were all part of that. They were seeing it. They were witnessing it and experiencing it from their cell. Um, as she was being baptized or he was being baptized in that particular uh, setting, but I just, um, again, it underscores the fact that God's wherever we are. You know, he's not compartmentalized somewhere else. He's right there beside you. And that, again, is in that description, and I'd forgotten that aspect about how quiet it got. 
just so y'all understand, I mean, this particular place where we went, anytime you went in there, it sounded like people were banging pots and pans the entire time you were there, times 50 to 100 people in in uh, concrete, you know, uh, floors and metal bars. So, you know, all those hard surfaces where sound really amplifies pretty quick. And when we went to do this, the word had already gotten around. This the event was going to happen because the other people in there were accustomed to seeing us too with varying degrees of response. But this was a response that the rest of them hadn't seen before. And it, it, it took their hearts. And that's why that quiet, that respect that is often so lacking uh, in that environment uh, was amazing. And I can tell you all at home, that is one of those startling moments, this, the jarring silence of a place that usually is just so noisy. The, the, the reality of the presence of God in that moment, it, it reminds me of that, that story where, you know, God isn't found in the fire or in the earthquake. It was the little whispering sound. And that was when it was time to hide the face. Well, it was very much like that. And thank you for bringing that up, Deacon Ronnie, because that was very, a very powerful moment. In your reflections, Father, were there any other scripture passages that arose? There, there were. And, um, of course, scripture just, you know, you could, in pretty much any scripture, you can find things that would be useful, helpful, uh, healing to, to the journey of, of ministry to the incarcerated. But these four in particular arose when I was doing my, my reflections on retreat uh, out in the desert uh, to uh, processing the, the entire six years. The first one, I would say, is, is one that lends itself to confidence. If you are struggling with the discernment decision, this can provide confidence. If you have started as a volunteer and your first visit was way more than you thought you were going to be able to handle, and you are looking at it and saying, not sure I want to go back, confidence. And this is from Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It will have great recompense. You need endurance to do the will of God and receive what he has promised. For after a brief moment, he who is to come shall come. She shall not delay. He shall not delay. And so just that promise of God to be, to be with us and, and to know that you get to be weak sometimes, but you can always restore yourself back to God's service by being confident, not so much in yourself, but in the God who is within you. Yeah, the God within us uh, uh, drives us on, you know, if you will, to to move into those uh, places that are not comfortable. Um, constant, always reassuring us that um, you do not go alone, um, and do not be afraid. I will be with you always, and 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 you stand there. And I think that's the thing that that uh, your presence, your your presence of Christ in you, radiates and displaces any of the darkness that you confront, and that's that we have should go with the confidence and. Add again the, when it gives the Holy Spirit with the with the courage uh, to walk in there and be present. And that just happens to be the second one for courage. And this is from Psalm 18. You, O Lord, are my lamp, my God, who lightens my darkness. With you, I can break through any barrier. With my God, I can scale any wall. And let me tell you, when you're in some of those places— and it is unlike anything that you've ever seen or heard before, which most of, of our volunteers will not enter into. Some of the places that Deacon Ronnie and I were permitted to serve are not, generally speaking, going to be where other volunteers will, will be. You'll be in a, a mass setting in a uh, 
specific space that's a chapel built for for that or a library type room or something and you'll go in and there'll be mass and there'll be interaction there are other places that are different within some of the prison units that are much more difficult and and much more uh if you will scary uh for what we're all accustomed to on the outside this this psalm 18 for courage really uh helps you mount your your entrance into those places to, to, again, say to evil, you don't get to have these people, and that if by their will they want to receive our ministry of presence and increase in faith and grace and love and hope, we're here for that. And with this type of courage, with my God, I can scale any wall, I'm going to enter in one more time, and we're going to have a go at being the light of Christ. I think the... Um strength that comes with your ministry of presence into those particularly restrictive housing areas and uh, is not only to the inmate population that resides there, but also to the officer corps who uh, are in there um, 24 hours a day and uh, they've got certain tasks and responsibilities, but it also gives them courage to continue to do the difficult work that, that they do in, in, in those restrictive housing units. And it, and it is um, largely overlooked, I think, by a lot of us. And when we first think about restorative justice ministry, we want to reach out to these uh, souls that have been incarcerated. It's a life that we would all recoil from ourselves and, and say, uh, there but for the grace of God go I, but we're really happy that grace was there and that I am not in there. And, and yet, once you start being introduced into their lives, as Deacon Ronnie just referenced, you're also instantaneously going to be introduced into the lives of the corrections officer corps, uh, because they must be there. Uh, if they're not there, you probably shouldn't be. And so um, you get to know them as well, because again, you're in the mode of saying, I bring Christ incarnate into this place. So do they. And so those human beings that are wearing a uniform and have a duty to perform, they're bringing it too. And, and many that we have been so impressed and ad- admired, uh, one of the keys to them has been perseverance, the long-serving officer corps that's there, maybe haven't risen through the ranks, um, hasn't mattered to them. They see it as a vocation. Some of them even have been there long enough to their adult children are now serving there with them as corrections officers. And it brings me to, to the next uh, scripture passage for perseverance, because they are the epitome of perseverance, to be through all the ups and downs of an institution uh, that's run by a state. Uh, with all of its rules and all the things that go with it, and yet they stay focused on what they signed on for in the first place. That requires perseverance. And this is from Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter. Understand then that the Lord your God is God indeed, the faithful God who keeps his merciful covenant to the thousandth generation toward those who love him and keep his commandments. And as we experienced over and over again, many of our corrections officers are people of faith and were willing to share faith with us. And indeed, in some cases, were appropriate to, to share faith with the incarcerated because that upholds part of their mission statement, which is preparing them to be rehabilitated and be able to enter back into society without perpetrating crime again. And so this this uh Perseverance, a, a very important reliance on God to help us be able to stay the course um, in, in the good times, in the bad times, or even in, when we're just there and, and time seems to drag on. That's a very um, good counsel to keep your eyes on the things of God. And, and, and again, 
each day is an opportunity to love and serve the Lord. So we shouldn't be um, watching um, the clock, if you will. Um, I know that many of the souls that I've ministered to and Father Harry's ministered to that have been there the longest are, have really presented themselves as being just at great peace with, with whatever God has in store for them, wherever they may be, whether they're at home or, or if they're in prison. And um, the fact that they're there uh, is is um, is a great witness to what uh, perseverance can do. Absolutely. And the last one before our closing prayer would be gratitude. Psalm 28 represents that. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard my cry, my appeal. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. I was helped. My heart rejoices, and I praise him with song. And we close with this prayer of St. Teresa of Calcutta. Humility is the mother of all virtues, purity, charity, and obedience. It is in being humble that our love becomes real, devoted, and ardent. If you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. If you are blamed, you will not be discouraged. If they call you a saint, you will not put yourself on a pedestal. Mary, my mother, give me your heart, so beautiful, so pure, so immaculate, so full of humility. Brother, if you walk with me, brother, 